The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Excited to get into the word. Here we are. It's 2019. You've been anointed and there's been impartation. And I'm just trusting God that we are all primed and ready to receive something great this morning. So I always encourage note taking. If, if you're able to take some notes, I want to encourage that. And God's speaking to us together collectively right here and now. He also speaks to us individually. I mean, when we revisit these notes in our own time, if we have the time to do that, really wonderful things can happen. I mean, God can reveal specifically why these verses for you, why these verses for me. And I'm believing that God's doing something great on purpose, and it's setting the stage for a wonderful, wonderful year. So I want to give you a few things to look forward to. As you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. I mean, I like a little anticipation, right? I mean, I can get lost, and before you know it, I'm counting the snowflakes and, and you know, yeah. So things to look forward to are helpful to me, and I hope they're helpful to you. So one, we're going to find out how God saves us, how God saves us. Now, this is an important thing for us to know, and I promise you it goes beyond, you know, the Sunday school answer. If any of you have ever worked in children's ministry, you know the answer to every question is Jesus. Yeah. And it's just like that, Jesus. And, you know, you can't be wrong if your answer is Jesus, right? But we're going to find out it's a, there's a little more to it, how God saves us. And the second thing we're going to find is what should be happening in your life after you're born again. What should be happening in my life after I'm born again? What should be happening in the lives of believers once we become Christians? Third thing we're going to find is how to be filled up with all of the fullness of God. That sounds like a weird way to say it, but I'm saying it like that on purpose. How to be filled up with all. I mean, all is pretty inclusive, right? There's nothing left out of all. All of the fullness of God. Think about how many inclusive words you have there. You have filled, right? If something is filled, is there any space left? No. So how to be filled up with all, all is inclusive, and then fullness, once again, all inclusive. How to be filled up with all of the fullness of God. We're going to find that, and I'm looking forward to getting there together this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to find out how God saves us. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Titus. Titus. We're going to look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles there, you can turn to Titus chapter 3. If you're using some sort of app or device, go to Titus chapter 3. I think it's really good for us to, to look at the Scripture, to put our eyes on it. Oftentimes you might not see me opening my Bible when we study together, but it's because it's on the page. It's just on the page. I mean, it's no different than if I were to turn there myself. It's not hypocrisy. It's just transferred from my book there into my notebook here. Titus chapter 3. <clears throat> now, you're going to find out a little something about yourself, right? So at one time, you were a dirtbag. You know that, right? Happy New Year. Yeah. At one time, you were a dirtbag. You can just look over at your neighbor and say, you used to be a real dirtbag, right? Yeah. No one's really taking me up on that. Is that hard for you to do? You did it, Bill? Why, my God, that's your wife. <laughs> Jeez, for some of you, it was too easy. Maybe we should rethink this whole thing here, right? Yeah, well, I mean, seriously, at one time you were a real dirtbag. Here we go. Let's get into it. Titus, we're going to look at chapter 3. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3, beginning in, in verse 3. We're going to look at verse 3. We're going to go all the way through 7. But let's just start at verse 3 here for now. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I mean, just stop there for a second. That's nasty stuff, isn't it? I mean, there's a part of that that really stands out to me that I have, I mean, I'm forced to stop. I mean, I, you might think that it's part of the, 
the whole you know, preaching presentation. It's really not. That's a lot. That's weighty, and it's hard for me to take all of that in. And I, I come to a screeching halt at the word spending. We ourselves were also once foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. And then this line, spending our life in malice and envy. I mean, like literally, that just means wasting our time. Wasting our life. Time is a commodity. And it can be invested wisely or poorly. And if it's spent in malice and envy, it is absolutely wasted because nothing good comes from malice or envy. Now, this is all-inclusive for us. I mean, this is who we used to be, no matter how good you thought you were. At any point before Jesus, this is you, and this is me. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, wasting away our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now look at verse 4, but when? All of the sudden, a complete change, 180 degrees. Aren't you glad I didn't say 360 degrees? But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, that's Jesus, He saved us. I mean, I, I like to just sit still here for a moment. Not because we're milking the clock or needing to stretch anything out, but there's a lot there to consider. We were awful. We were terrible. We were bound in bondage and captivity to, to perversions and lust. And there were things that were destroying our lives. And because of that, we wasted our lives hating one another and hating ourselves. But when the kindness of God came in, he saved us. Now I want to read from verse 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we've done, but according to His mercy. Now there's a word there that, that if I were reading this in my Bible, I would probably circle it or do something. You see the word by? By, He saved us. According to his mercy, by. Now that word by there is revealing something. It's going to reveal the method that he used to save us. I mean, the mercy is the motive. But now we're about to see the method. Mercy is the motive. Now here comes the method. Because he's merciful, he did this on our behalf. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I want to stop there. Did you see two things? Remember, mercy is God's motivation. But his method is in these two things. One, the washing of regeneration. Two, renewing by the Holy Spirit. One, the washing of regeneration. Two, Renewal by the Holy Spirit. Then we get to verse 7. Verse 7 then gives us one of my favorite terms in the Scripture, right? I mean, just in any kind of communication. It opens up with the word, so that. Now, so that now is revealing the, the result that God is shooting for. I mean, this is what He's looking to accomplish. He's motivated by mercy. But we're going to see what it is that he's setting out to do. His method is to wash of regeneration or wash with regeneration and renew by the Holy Spirit. And the result is meant to be this. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I mean, that's kind of what we talk about when we talk about coming to Jesus and being born again and forgiven of your sins and and being, uh, having your name recorded in the Lamb's book of life for the purpose of eternal life. But we see something here that I want us to recognize as we move forward. It starts with realizing that we were all dirtbags. Then seeing where God had a, a turning point. But when the kindness of God came in, 
It shows God's motivation that He's doing this not out of obligation, but out of kindness, out of genuine generosity, love, and affection, motivated by mercy. When the kindness of God appeared, He saved us, not because of anything we did, but according to His mercy. And then the method, washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about regeneration for a moment. I mean, we don't use these terms a lot. And so even as we're reading this passage here, it's very easy for us to come to a point where we, we maybe aren't tracking together, where we lose track of, of what we're talking about because the terms aren't very familiar. But I want you to think about the word regeneration. Regeneration. I mean, that prefix, R-E, re, it just means again, right? So you're doing something again, which means it's already been done at least once. And then generation. What does it mean to generate something? To make it, right? I mean, I kind of wish that my wife would have gotten up early this morning and generated me some pancakes and some sausage. Well, don't you? It just means to make. So God's doing something great, motivated by mercy. His kindness has come in. And He saves us. And it starts with regeneration. It starts with being made again. The term that Jesus used one time and the term that we use now today is born again. To be made again. To be regenerated. It's where this saving that God is doing on our behalf, motivated by kindness and mercy, begins. I want to give you a couple of scriptures here. John chapter 3, verse 3. In John chapter 3, you'll see a really amazing conversation between two people. One of them is a highly educated and revered teacher, and the other is Jesus Christ, who ought to be highly revered and considered highly educated. Their conversation is about this topic of regeneration. And Jesus makes this comment, and we need to see it, and, and we need to really get a, a, a clear understanding that Jesus isn't muddying the waters, rather he's clearing them. This should clear things up for us. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or made again, or regenerated, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, pastorally, there's a lot of things that happen when I read this passage. I'm reminded to go back to foundational things in my own life and, and things like that. But I'm also aware of this, that I could spend my whole life, you could spend your whole life with the calling and the anointing that God's placed on you, sharing wonderful revelations with people who aren't born again yet and they're not going to see them. Jesus is saying, truly, unless one has been born again or regenerated, he can't see the kingdom of God. So that makes me kind of want to, to narrow down my, my sermon book. Let's talk about being made new. Let's talk about being born again. Let's make that a topic of conversation in our lives. Rather than, hey, you know what, I read this book on angels, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff, but it's not going to do anyone any good unless they're born again. So let's make that a priority in our lives. I mean, I remember once getting in the car with a guy, a young man, and, and I just said, hey, I, I, uh, I've got a question for you. Tell me about when you were born again. He got mad. I mean, he physically got violent. He wanted to fight me. And his, his mindset was, who do you think you are asking me something Well, I think even though he didn't answer my question, he answered my question. This should be a conversation that we have. I mean, this should just be kind of uh, the greatest thing we have going and the hot topic in our lives when we were born again. 
And I think the more we become comfortable talking about that, the more it becomes normal conversation, the easier it is to engage the world who needs to be born again before they can ever see any aspect of the kingdom of God. Let's talk about it. Make it conversational. I want to talk about it at my dinner table. I want to talk about it among the congregation. I want to talk about being born again because it's priority one. Anything else is is just wasted conversation. I want you to take down a a verse uh, of scripture for your notes here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I want to read them to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, or made again, or regenerated. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he goes on to reveal this. In order to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away, reserved in heaven for us, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. I mean, there's something that's spoken here in 1 Peter that goes hand in hand with what's spoken in Titus. Remember, Titus said, God, motivated by mercy and kindness, saved us when we were dirtbags. And his method starts with regeneration. And the result of this method that has step one as regeneration was so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Peter and Titus are saying the same thing here. They're bearing witness of one another, becoming an heir of eternal life, seeing and operating in the things that are the kingdom of God. Start with being made again, being born again. Now, Being born again is something that we need to talk about. But I want to move on to talk about this step two in this process that God has in our lives. But I want to encourage us before we move on to make being born again a topic of conversation once again. Something that we're willing to talk about. Something that we're not ashamed to discuss. Something that we're not afraid to ask about. Even if people find it offensive. A deception that has come over the church and come over the world is that there are countless paths to righteousness. I'm a good person. Well, I go to this church. There's all kinds of things that people say. But there's only one thing that matters. Have we been born again? And I can tell you before I was born again, I didn't know what I needed, but I knew I needed something. And I was willing to try anything because of the need that was so great in my life. And no matter what I tried, nothing met that need except being born again. And it was only after being born again, just like Jesus would say in John chapter 3, that I could see the kingdom. Not just see it as in witness it, but see it as in experience it. So I told you when we were taking down things to look forward to, we were going to find out how God saves us. Remember, He reveals this motivation of kindness and then this this two-part process, this being uh, uh, regenerated and then being renewed by the Spirit. I want to talk about the renewal of the Spirit. I mentioned before we were going to find out what should be happening in your life after you're born again. What should be happening in your life after you've been regenerated? Now, I know most of you in the room here, and so if I were to ask, you know, how many of you have been born again, I know the vast majority, if not all of the hands would go up. So for this purpose, for this uh, venue, for this group, I think it's very important for us to dial in and pay very close attention to what's next here. The question is, what should be happening in my life after I'm born again? What should be happening in the life of any believer after they are born again? 
you have your, your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, you can turn to chapter 5. I want us to understand something as you turn there. Being born again is a one-time event. It happened once in my life. Now, I don't want to get into debates on could I renounce it and then be born again again or anything like that. I mean, that would just be kind of a waste of our time. But much like I have a physical birthday, I mean, that happened once. Being born again is something that happened once, and so we can discuss that as an event or as a season in our life when something happened. We can recall that event. What we are about to look at is something that is happening in our lives, or it should be happening in our lives. So I don't want anyone in the room to have any kind of self-made perception that, that they have achieved this and that this is a thing of the past. Every single person in the room needs to be currently practicing or having this taking place in their life, what we're about to read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, I want to pause there, anyone, I mean, did you hear that word, anyone? I mean, anyone is in Christ Jesus. He is a new creature. The old things pass away, and behold, new things come. I mentioned before we're going to find what happens after we are born again. This is it. Once we're regenerated, we become new creatures, and now this needs to be what's happening from here on out. Old things passing away and new things coming. I mean, I hate to sound kitsch, but what got my heart moving in this was this understanding of a new year coming. I mean, we flipped the calendar and 2018 is an old thing, passed away, and now new things come. Here we are in 2019, looking at the things that lie ahead. Some of those things very clear, some of them not so much, but all of them exciting. knowing that God is passing away old things and He's bringing new things. I want to know what some of these new things are. Now, I don't want to offer a list as if it's absolute, but I want to share with you a few things that stand out in the Scripture that God tends to bring new into our lives, okay? For the purpose of examining our lives, is this happening? Are old things passing away and are new things coming? These are some new things that come. And i got to tell you, I was kind of surprised at the list. It wasn't what I expected. But I want us to look at them together. One of the things that God makes new a steadfast spirit. I've got to tell you, I struggled with actually labeling it that or calling it that because those are words that really we don't use a whole lot anymore. You know, I don't approach my children and say, son, have you been steadfast with your homework? Right? And now we all know that my wife was not steadfast with pancakes and <laughs> sausage this morning. But I mean steadfast, it just means consistent. 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 I mean, if somebody were to ask me, Preston, you're only going to have one word to describe our current culture. I think I'd say inconsistent. It's inconsistent. It's subject to change. It chases what's shiny. It goes after fads. Somebody writes the latest, greatest book, and everyone goes over to that church. And then somebody writes that over there. We're all going to go over here. Inconsistent. But God is renewing something inside of us constantly. He is creating stability and consistency in each one of us. 
And it's revealed here at a time where someone has suffered inconsistency. If you want to see it in the scripture, Psalm 51, verse 10. Now, traditionally, it's understood that this is a psalm written after a, a fall or a failure a, a, to enter into to a, a bad choice or decision. But the psalmist writes something here, and I want us to pay attention to it because God is making something new as he's crying out for it. His cry is this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew, can you say renew? Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Bring me back to consistency. Where I'm not thinking holy thoughts one minute, dirty thoughts another minute. Holy thoughts one minute, dirty thoughts another minute. Where I'm not speaking blessing one minute and cursing another minute. Blessing one minute and cursing another minute. Where I'm not performing acts of righteousness one minute and immorality the next. But bring stability into my life. Make it new inside of me. The reason why steadfastness needs to be made new in us is because the moment steadfastness becomes stale, you're at risk of compromise. When things become routine, there's a risk of compromise. But consistency among believers is something that God is making new in each one of us. And there's a reason for this, a reason why we need to have this happen, and then a method to how it happens. And I think the psalmist reveals the method in his writing. I mean, he cried out this. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Now, we have a choice in how we hear that. You can either hear it as two requests, create in me a clean heart, and also Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Or you can hear it as this. God, I need you to clean out my heart so I can have a steadfast spirit. I need you to clean out my heart so I can be consistent. I need you to do a new work in my heart so that stability and consistency can exist in my life. And I won't be one way one minute and another way the next. I think he's revealing a cause and effect here. He's talking about stability being a part of our life, and he's showing us what we need to seek out in order for that to be so. And it's God, clean out my heart. Clean it out. I surrender my heart to you. Expose every nasty nook and cranny. Let your light shine in in such a way that there's no room for any shadow to exist. And let it drive out everything that is dark and unclean. Everything rooted in fear and anxiety. Let there be a purge of everything that's not of you in my heart so that I can be a stable and consistent believer. That's pretty cool. And your heart's important. Keeping your heart clean is important. Write this down for your notes. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Now, depending upon what translation you read, you're going to find maybe different wording, but this just about sums them all up. Proverbs 4.23, above all else. Now, that's pretty interesting. When you see in the Scripture, that is the opening statement, above all else. Do you have little alarms going off that say, hey, I should probably pay attention to this? It's not like, hey, add this to your to-do list. You know, when you get around to it, this will help you in your life as a Christian. This is a priority above all else. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I think the psalmist knew what he was saying when he saw a lack of consistency in his life. He was saying, there needs to be a work in my heart. Clean up my heart so that I can be stable, so that I can be consistent. Because if my heart is compromised, then everything that flows out of it is compromised. There's a good way to, to test your heart. I'm not saying it's absolute. I'm just saying I use it, and, and it seems to be revealing. I'm a big fan of, of observing my own life and, and testing myself according to the Scripture, not for the purpose of, of some legalistic pursuit, but just to, to be one who practices what they preach. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about defilement, and he says this, as it concerns defilement, which would be inconsistency or corruption in decisions and choices and words. 
sin and, and rebellion would bring defilement. And he says the things that proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart and they defile the man. So as I'm searching my heart, I want to check my words. Listen to how I respond to situations and circumstance. Do I respond with blessing or cursing? Do I respond with kindness or anger? How do I respond? Because it's going to reveal what's in my heart. And if I don't guard my heart, my behavior will be very inconsistent. And I won't know that steadfast or consistent spirit that I'm meant to walk in as a believer. But praise God, He's willing to hear our cry, to clean up our hearts, to do a mighty work in us. And that work is done by the Holy Spirit, by the way. Do you note in Titus how it's written there? Remember, we looked at how God saved us, the two part. One, washing of regeneration. Well, that's being born again in Jesus Christ. Two, renewing by, will you say by? By, by the Holy Spirit. New birth is the result of Jesus becoming my King. Being regenerated, born of the Spirit. But now this work of having things renewed in my life is a work of the Holy Ghost. Active, present, here and now, in real time. And He's doing something great in us as we call out to Him. To clean up our hearts so that we can be consistent. He's renewing consistency in His people who cry out for that. Another thing that God renews as we step into this new year, as we celebrate this work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Youth. And all the elderly said, Hallelujah! Let me tell you something. I ran the other day, just playing catch with my boys. It looked like this. And it hurt. And my wife laughed from the front porch and said, Is that really as fast as you can run? In my head, I've still got it. I mean, I still watch the Dallas Cowboys and think, you know, I've probably got one more year to try out. And then I get up off the couch to get more snacks, and I hear my knees pop. You know. God. I want my youth renewed. And you know what? It's not a metaphor, by the way. I mean, it could be, that's fine. But if you look up that word youth, it literally means like childhood. Isn't that really cool? And it's, it's a promise. It's something that God says over and over. I'll give you a scripture, Psalm 103, verse 5. When you get to verse 5, it's talking about the benefits that come from Jesus Christ. And in these benefits, it's that God satisfies our years. Some of your Bibles may say mouths. That's a fine translation. With good things. So that your youth is renewed. Like the eagle. Can I get... Some of you are thinking about the eagle egg. You need the nutrients. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we need to have a Wednesday night nacho party. Nacho! All right, let's get back to holy things. God's renewing our youth, but there's something about this that's happening. I mean, like when we read that passage of Scripture, it, it's really awesome, right? It's almost like if Jesus made fortune cookies, that would be in one. And you, you'd eat, and you'd be like, man, that was some tasty manna. And you'd crack open that cookie, and you'd be like, what'd you get? And you'd be like, hey, man, I got this. I got, God satisfies my years with good things, and he's going to renew my youth. That's a good one. But there's something there. This is, again, a cause and effect. But we have to look at the, the context. I mean, the context is this. When you look at the beginning of this psalm, it's opening up with this list of benefits. And the renewal of youth is just one of them. It opens up with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Forget not His benefits. And it begins to list them. The pardoning of iniquity and the healing of disease. The crowning of loving kindness upon your life. I mean, all of these wonderful things. And then it gets to God satisfying your years with good things so that your youth is renewed. So let's look at that, that cause. Because the effect is that newness of youth. But bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Now, you know, I mean, this is something that, 
as I was pondering it, I really began to get excited. That cause is blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. How is it that blessing the Lord could bring me to a place of having my youth restored? Do you want to know what the enemy of my youth is? I mean, I'm kind of shooting from the hip here pastorally. Alarms are going off like stick to the notes. Stick to the notes. Stick to the notes. But I'm a wild man, and I want to shoot from the hip. Don't shoot yourself. Amen. What's the enemy of your youth? The enemy of my youth. Tick-tock. 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 Amen. Well said. Time. Time is the only reason why I'm not a kid anymore. Seriously. And when I enter into worship, when I begin to bless the Lord, I step out of a realm that is orchestrated and ordained with time, and I enter into a realm that is eternal. Eternal. Now, I want to say this, and it's going to sound a little familiar because it was in the, the book that we've been reading together, but don't think of eternity as just a long stretch of time. We, we do that because all we know is time. Eternity is around the, has no time whatsoever. If it had time, it could be measured. When I begin to bless the Lord, I begin to engage on a level that's not subject to time. The enemy of my body, the enemy that makes me age, gravity and time, those chumps no longer have a say in things. I can take that for what you want. I'm shooting from the hip, and I think it's a pretty decent shot. But some of the most youthful, vibrant people that I've ever known in my life, even as they aged in their bodies, they remained so energetic are people who were worshipers. And we have some right here with us. Another thing that God is renewing in our lives as we are seeking after these things, this work of the Spirit in us, we've been born again, and now we want this renewal by the Holy Spirit to take place in our lives. Strength. God is promising to renew our strength. Man, I used to have some zip. I remember I wanted to buy this piece of steel. I wanted to burn wood and I wanted to make a burn pit with it. That's a manly aspiration, right? Or is that, I, that's what I wanted. So I went to the, the, the metal salvage yard. I took my sons like any good dad would do, right? Even the people were like, you can let your kids go back? Just, yeah, that's fine. You got a waiver I could sign or something, you know? We're climbing around on these piles of steel and then there it is with like light shining down from heaven on it. It had been ordained. Now, like any good husband, I have a budget given to me by my wife on what I can spend. And, and I know that this place is going to sell me this piece of steel, you know, by the pound. And so I go over to it, and I pick it up. Or at least I try to. I can't afford it. I know what they charge per pound, and that has to be like, woo, that's like triple my budget. Now, not like any good man, I think, but I want it. <laughs> She'll understand. And defying the laws of physics, I get this thing loaded. And I take it to the scales, and I'm ready to, you know, take my lumps and shell out the cash. The woman tells me that total and it's well under budget I'm thinking lady you might want to reweigh that because I I know what I can lift and that your scales broke well the upside was I was under budget so but I want God to renew our strength and I mean not just physical strength right I mean physical strength is cool and all and I mean we, we, you know, but, but strength, I mean, strength of character, 
and strength of mind and strength of heart, the things that matter, strength. I want him to renew those things, that we would be a people who are strong. So here's, here's a passage of Scripture for your notes. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It talks about a group of people, they. You've heard of they, right? Sometimes you are they. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Will you say renew? Renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And then it goes on to say this. I mean, God's into eagles, right? He said, so they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they'll run and not grow weary. And they'll walk and not grow faint. You want to know what happens when I run? I remember once I told my wife I was going to start jogging, and so I did. And I got home, and she was laughing so hard. Her shoulders were touching her ears. She was laughing so hard, you know. And I said, what's so funny? She said, I can hear you two blocks away. (laughs) I mean, I get tired when I run. I get weary when I walk. But there's something about this passage that we're meant to see. That waiting on God, waiting on God, being patient for God's direction, being patient for God's timing, being patient for God's method means a lot less energy exerted. That's why God's talking about eagles and he's not talking about mounting up on wings like hummingbirds. Have you seen eagles fly? They soar. I mean, sometimes they just kind of like fall and spread their wings and they let the wind just move them. And then they just stay in the air. It's effortless. That's what God's saying here. He's painting a picture that we're meant to see and understand and then long for. I want to live my life without having to labor and labor and labor and labor and labor. I want things to be smooth. And I know that there's times that God calls us to labor. I'm not a fan of of being lazy at all. But there are times when I'm forcing my will and not waiting for God's will. Can I get an amen from my wife on the front row? There's lots of times where I'm doing that. And she'll be the voice of God in my life on occasion telling me, you need to wait for God. You're, You're being impatient. You're being imprudent. But I can tell you from my own experience, this passage of Scripture is true. If we can wait for God, wait for His timing, wait for His method, wait for His sign to go, if we can wait for those things, we can operate energized by His power and His authority and not be spinning our wheels. And when we do that, something is renewed in us. It's our strength. We're no longer left tired and weary and broken. But whether we accomplish a lot without exerting a lot of energy, that's what he's called us to. That's the power of that relationship. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here, Proverbs 19, verse 21. I mean, this passage of Scripture probably describes my life to a T, and probably most of yours too. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But the counsel of the Lord will stand. I mean, you can have a thousand ideas of how you want to do something, and you can try them all out, but the one that's going to be successful is God's. And so in my life, as I'm growing older and as I'm I'm attempting to live a life that is, is founded upon wisdom, I'm realizing something. Rather than going through my thousand ideas to find the one that works, how about I just wait for God to reveal His idea that's guaranteed to deliver? And then let's do that. God's renewing our strength. There's something else that He's renewing as we continue here. We're getting very close to being uh, completed here. Uh, he's renewing your mind. Your mind. There's something that's very important and necessary about this. I mentioned prioritizing talking about new birth, and I believe that. We need to talk about being born again. It needs to be on our lips and in our conversation. It needs to be a common conversation in our families and households. It needs to be priority one. This follows right after the renewal of the mind. Without the renewal of the mind, we will look no different than the world. 
Here's the passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It reads like this. Don't be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's another so that. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I mean, if we can't have our mind renewed, then we're destined to look just like the world looks. That's a problem. We're not meant to look like the world looks. We're meant to look so incredibly different than the world looks that the world sees us and sees something different. They see something that's abnormal, unusual. I mean, I don't like this word because it kind of sounds negative, but the Bible says you're supposed to look peculiar. I mean, if I went shopping with my wife and she tried on a shirt and was like, what do you think? And I was like, well, you look peculiar. I would be sleeping on the couch. It's a good peculiar look. It's a nice. I think peculiar's in this season, right? We're meant to look different. The renewal of our mind. I want to share something. I know time is short. Time's always short. I love being with you, and it's hard not to, to just really lose track of time with you. But there's something about this that I think is important to note. You'll hear me say it often because it's a big deal. There's something in the scripture, in the gospel, that has always stood out as a a very unusual event. Where you're almost just kind of like, what's going on there? Well, you know Jesus is not a show-off, right? And you know that God is not interested in introducing confusion, right? I mean, the scripture says God is not a God of confusion. So you have this event in the scripture where Jesus takes a a couple of the disciples and he goes up onto a mountain and then he just becomes really shiny, bright white. I mean, the scripture, we, we refer to it as the transfiguration. And then wonderful things happen. You see the prophet and you see Moses. You see these two speaking with Jesus. They're talking to him about things to come, all of this. But it's known as the transfiguration. That word transfiguration is the exact same word used in Romans 12 too, transformed. What seems like this odd, peculiar, exclusive to Jesus only experience in the gospel is meant to be an experience that we all have as Christians. Where we are transfigured where we no longer look like the world, but something happens in our mind and we no longer think like the world thinks. We no longer see like the world sees. We no longer operate like the world operates. All because our mind has been transfigured, transformed. And it's then that we're able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I mean, if I were you, I think I would take that verse and make that a New Year's resolution. God, no matter what happens this year, I want to be transfigured in my mind. Now, this is the the final one that we have today. And again, this isn't an absolute list at all. But I want to end with this one. God is renewing you in your inner man. Your inner person, your inner woman, your inner man, whatever you want to call it. I don't think that it's a gender thing. I just think that it's your inner being. I don't think that your inner man has gender. Based on things that Jesus says, that's not the case. So right here, forget about that. Don't get hung up on that. But just pay attention to the scripture that there's something going on in your spirit being. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though the outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Day by day. So we know that Paul isn't talking about being born again. He's not saying, though your outer man is decaying, your inner man was renewed when you came into Jesus. But he's talking about a process that's happening every single day. Your inner man is being renewed day by day. This is a work of the Holy Holy Spirit right now. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was a one-time event, just like being born again was a one-time event. But constantly, day by day, I'm desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit, stirred with the gifts of the Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit move in my life. 
I do not want to get hung up in one-time experiences that are marked on a calendar some decade ago that don't do anything in my life today. I want those one-time experiences to be the beginning of a new beginning every day of my life that is not bound by capacities and measures, but those capacities and measures are ever-expanding. Renew me in my inner man day by day. I want to give you a passage of Scripture. I mean, I told you earlier in our three things, this final one that we were going to find. Remember, this was the one that I emphasized the words, all of the absolute words, how to be filled up with all of the fullness of God, right? I mean, it almost sounds like you need to go back to English class. It doesn't sound like how you should say it. But how to be filled up with all of the fullness of God. I want to close with this. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 14. Now Paul's writing and he's revealing his passion and his heart for every believer. He's saying, this is what I pray for when I pray for you, when I intercede for you, when I'm devoting my life to bringing you the gospel, even when I'm suffering or being beaten or being arrested, when my life is being crushed, this is what I'm hoping that is being accomplished by all of this. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. By the way, that's you. You can see it with Abraham as Abraham has his name changed and becomes Abraham of the Most High God. His family deriving its name from God Himself. That's us. Verse 16, that He would grant you or that He would give you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Now verse 17, here's a good so that, right? You see it? So that, so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints the breadth, the width, the height, and the depth of that love and to know the love of Jesus Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Let me tell you something. If you're going to reread anything in your own time, read that one. It's a lot of words to catch right here and right now. But I want you to consider what's being offered here. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. What Paul is basically saying there is, you're going to know something that can never be taught. You're going to know the unknowable. It's going to require a work of the Spirit because you'll break your brain if you try. It's something that can't be taught but has to be caught. It is something that happens as the Spirit of God renews things in our inner man. And what does He do? according to the writing here in verse 16, strengthens us with power. The power to know and understand the love that God has for us in Jesus. I want some of these new things for us as believers. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at jameschurch.com.